Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. Brought to you by MyBookie. Use code SICKFIX for a 50% deposit bonus. Bet, win, get paid. Marinero, The Sick Podcast. What a pleasure, what an honor. It's the first time... I get to speak to Nick Kiprios, and I've wanted to do this for a while, and we're doing it tonight on the Sick Podcast. He is the director of hockey operations of Line Movement, and uh, he basically has a hockey show. It's a content show. It's really, really popular. He joins us today. How you doing, bud? Tony, Sammy, thank you for having me, man. It's uh, the pleasure's all mine. Uh, I'm doing well, you know. Under yeah. the circumstances, we've got a major lockdown come uh, here in on Ontario. Yeah. And, uh, you know, people are, are, are hanging in there. You know, that's all, what, what choice do we have here, Tony? Yeah. But, uh, hopefully someday soon we can look at all of this in the rear view mirror and, and find yeah. a way to move on. But right now, uh, we're, we're day to day. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe one day we can meet in a bar and we can have a beverage there that you have next to you there. What are you drinking exactly? What is that? <laughs> this is a, a company my wife and I started with uh, family friends. It's called little Buddha cocktail. And uh, a little over a year ago, we all sat around uh, uh, a kitchen table and, and talked about these ready-to-drink uh, in, in cans and what we liked and what we didn't like. And then we made a wish list of what we wanted. We wanted, we, we said, wouldn't it be great if it was organic, no sugar, gluten-free, keto-friendly, no preservatives? And one thing led to another, and we started searching on Google how to... How oh, to yeah. uh, how to make these drinks, and then next thing you know, we've we've sold over twenty five thousand cases here in Ontario in the LCBO, and and wow. now we're trying to spread it nationally. We're we're in places like Newfoundland and Labrador, uh, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, British Columbia, and I so badly want to bring it out to Quebec as well. I, I hope so. If I can help you out with that in some way, shape, or form, you let me know. But, Thanks, Tony. Uh, I, I'd love to try that. You have a sangria flavor. Oh, we're we're working on a lot of flavors right yeah. now. We we we've got a pineapple rosemary and like uh that. we just we just launched uh, a peach tea as our second flavor. So uh I'll throw that one in the suggestion box. I you know what? I I like pineapple and I like peach. Sounds pretty cool. All right, Nick Kiprios, a 10-year NHL career, played with the Capitals, the Whalers, the Rangers, the Leafs. I have so much to talk to you about. I don't even know where to start, but it's uh, the Sick Podcast, and it's brought to you by my bookie. Use code SICKPICKS for a 50% deposit bonus. Bet, win, get paid. Uh, you know, let's let's start with your career, if if I can. Uh, you won the Stanley Cup with the Rangers in 1994, and a lot of players that win the Cup, or everyone says, you know, they don't realize what it takes to win the Cup until obviously they won it, and all the, the hard work and the sacrifices. But in terms of the composition of a team, what does a team have to have, in your opinion, to win the Cup? What did that team have in 94? And do you think what it took in 94 to win a Cup, you can still win a Cup with those components in 2021? Great question, Tony. And, and the answer is 100%. Uh, we, we know the game's evolved, and it's changed in many ways. But I think it always comes back uh, to the common denominator of your best players needing to be your best players and, and you surround them with as much depth and character as you can. 
And that hasn't changed here uh, in in the year 2021. And we can look at uh, we can look back and and see uh, the most recent Stanley Cup champions, uh, including St. Louis, uh, Washington, Tampa Bay, and nothing's changed. Your 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 stars have to deliver on time. But this isn't uh, this isn't a sport where you know one pitcher can control a whole game. We talk about depth. We talk about how good's your third and fourth line and how much can they contribute and how heavy can they play uh, this this time of year in, in, in the playoffs. And there is a, a level of success for that. And it's built uh, from decade to decade, year to year, under the same kind of basic principles is that you need a hot goaltender, you need some tough scoring, and you need your role players, your support cast uh, to be there for you. And uh, uh, Tampa Bay was living proof on that, especially with the, the late acquisitions last season and Coleman, yeah. right, and and Goodrow. Th- those guys put Tampa Bay over the top as much as, you know, Braden Point and, and, uh, and Victor Hedman uh, playing the, the starring roles. And that's how you win. Nothing will change this year. Yeah. That was the obviously the best moment of your career, and you had some ups and you had some downs, and unfortunately, uh, it finished on a very difficult note when you suffered a concussion in a fight. Uh, that was, I, I think, within the 96-97 season with the Leafs. Fast forward now, we're in 2021. Everything we know about fighting, the concussions, the, um, the symptoms, the um, side effects, um, the depression that it's led to for some, um, the substance abuse that it's led to for others, um, players that have taken their own life. You know, I tell you now that in 2021, fighting, knowing all of that is still in the game. Are you okay with it? Or because former enforcers usually are, or are you at the point where you're saying, maybe we should move on to something else now? I'm okay where we are and I look at where fighting is and the role that it plays in 2021. And I look at it where it was five years ago, uh, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and it's evolved. We don't have what we had 15, 20 years ago, which was on average two or three designated tough guys on each team that knew that they had to play a role like that every night. We just don't have that anymore. But I like the fact that it's still there for some guys that may need an outlet. And we've seen some fighting now still in the game, but it's a fraction of what we had, Tony. It's it's organically gone away on its own, but it's still there if the players need it. And they're the voice here. They're the gatekeepers along with the owners in terms of when they don't want it in the game, they'll be the first ones to raise their hand and say, we don't need it anymore, and it'll be gone. And that's okay. But the ones that still play it, their voices have still been heard that I don't have to do it anymore. I feel no pressure to do it anymore. And on some nights, uh, I don't know what the – do we see a fight every 10 games now, 12 games? It's 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 gone. It's virtually – dried up on its own we didn't have to take the rule out but the players still want it in the game just in case uh but it's it's gotten to the point where it's barely noticeable if you ask me 
you know, besides the obvious and the McDavid's of this world, that's not the question I'm asking of which, of which player that you watch that you love the way they play. I mean, everyone's going to say McDavid, but that guy that is that hard-nosed guy, uh, you know, I'm going to tell you, I, I'm just, I'm crazy about Brady Kachuk, the way he plays the yeah. game. I mean, this guy just hates to lose, but which one player do you think is, is a great blend of talent, character, hates to lose? You'd love to have him on your team. If you could pick one guy. Well, I, I watched uh, uh, Nazem Kadri here in Toronto over the last few years, and they they ran out of patience with him. And we do know the the notable suspensions in the playoffs against the Boston Bruins. But I, I do believe that he's 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 a great fit for Colorado and um, a, a perfect guy that can bring a ton of skill and, and play with a certain edge now. And as he learned. Uh, to go into a playoff now and, and not be that guy that feels like he's got to carry the weight of the world on his shoulders to play a, a physical element. Yeah, I think he's evolved to the point where he'll be real good. He was real good in the bubble as well for Colorado, and unfortunately they, their goaltending issues caught up to them in an earlier uh, exit that they would have hoped uh, last season in the bubble. But those are the type of guys that that play the game hard and and find ways to – show skill, but bring some passion and emotion. There are some nights, Tony, that it's hard watching the game uh, because although we may see flashes of skill, they don't bring the edge to the game where you're you're just you're not um, emotionally invested in the hockey game like yeah. you were in the past. And those certain type of players can come out and do that. And you mentioned the Kachuk brothers, and they can. They yeah. can get you scoring a goal. They can get you with a little, you know, stick in the gut. Um, yeah. They can push the envelope. And, you know, it doesn't have to be a Connor McDavid end-to-end rush to bring people to the edge of their seat and, and, and watch with anticipation. Those guys have the ability to do that. And, you know, we have passionate fans in the game of hockey. But to bring out that passion, you got to play with passion. There's some nights that we don't have it. Uh, we can look at the, the past two seasons and go for obvious reasons. It's uh, empty buildings, and you know there's some nights you're tired, and maybe the Montreal Canadiens were watching them go through it right yeah. now, where you're four nights in a week, and you've got a pandemic, and you got an empty uh, building, and you're worrying about your 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 wife and kids at home, and it's it's with reason, but we we got to find a way to maintain those players in the game that can bring that passion out. You know, t- Tom Wilson wasn't too long ago, Tony, they were, they were screaming for this guy to be out of the game. He's a yeah. goon. He's dangerous. We don't need him. And I, I think he's one of those guys. Josh Anderson is now learning that he can be a Tom Wilson type of guy. I, I can watch one. this guy and I can look forward to, uh, yeah. A great rush, a great shot, a great hit, and this guy would is willing to drop his gloves too. So I just yeah. I, I hope that Josh can stay healthy because that has been an issue in the past. Of course, but when you play the game hard, those are the the, the chances you have to take. It's a sick podcast. Go to sportbuffshop.com for all of your officially licensed sports apparel and more. Use code SICK15 for fifteen percent off on all of their items. With Nick Kiprios, Director of Hockey Operation of uh, Line Movement. Nick, I I love where this is going. I'm going to tell you why. 
You went from Toronto and Kadri, and he goes to Colorado. And these are two teams, especially Colorado, that people believe have a real good chance to maybe go to the final this year, possibly win the Stanley Cup. Let's start with Toronto. So you know what it takes because you're on a cup-winning team. Do the Leafs finally, with some additions that they made, and Foligno being one of them, uh, another goalie uh, coming in, and they've made some solid additions. Can this finally be their year, especially since considering that a lot of people believe that this is the easier path for them in the North Division, which is with the Canadian teams? Yes or no, do the Leafs have what it takes? They, they, I think they have what it takes to uh, get themselves close. Whether or not I would look at them in a final four, I would, I would guess at this point that they would be the least favorite in a in a conference uh, final four. Mm-hmm. But that's not saying that they they can't still find a way to uh, put themselves in a position of say the Dallas Stars and get to a Stanley Cup final. And Tony, we know. We we don't yeah. know who's going to go in in a conference final or a Stanley Cup final and who's beat up, who possibly just caught COVID, uh, who's got the hot goaltender. All of that comes into play. And if Toronto can get themselves into a Final Four, then who knows what other teams would look like back then. They should have an easier path. We do know that when we look at the four divisions, we often look at the North north division and say this one has been the weakest it's been the most inconsistent and toronto just came off of their worst run of this shortened season but they've been the best out of anybody in Uh in this north division everybody else it's flip a coin whether they show up or not i can't say that about the east the central or the west so if they can get out fairly clean in the north division and they can stay healthy, they will put themselves in a a predicament that Toronto Maple Leaf fans have not seen since 1967. And I include that run in 90, in the early 90s uh, against Vancouver and, and uh, L.A. Uh, in the Doug Gilmore, Wendell Clark era, that this team would put themselves in the most legitimate chance to win a Stanley Cup since 67. Mm-hmm. How about Colorado? Colorado, uh, Vegas, uh, pick them, right? And, Tampa, and now, yeah. now Minnesota's put themselves, Tony, in a yeah. position where we got to take them seriously. And they've, they've, I think they're 4 1 and 1 against Vegas, uh, so far this season. So yeah. I, I look at, I look at that West Division and I go, holy moly. Like, what if, if by chance St. Louis comes in and, and nudges Arizona out, if you're yeah. Vegas or Colorado and you assume that they've that they're going to win the division, is is a St. Louis team on the outside looking in with what uh, a little over half a dozen games to go? If if St. Louis gets hot here, yeah. I'm not sure I want to face them, especially with a lot of guys still there from their Stanley Cup run. So that's going to be a battle to get out of the West, uh, no question about it. But Colorado, I like. Uh, we often refer to Nathan McKinnon as the second best hockey player in the world. Yeah. And there were some nights in the bubble last year we said he could be the best in the world. That's how good he yeah. was. That's yeah. how dynamic he is. He's got often he's got all the Connor McDavid elements, but possibly plays it with a little bit more of a physical edge. So yeah. 
I think with Devin Dubnik coming in, and Dubnik was also the Leafs' first choice, not not a Riddick, uh, to go in there um, at the trade deadline. I, I think Devin Dubnik could could be uh, an interesting piece to all of this uh, moving forward. If in fact he needs to come in, so yeah, uh, Makar. These are world class guys on amazing. On, on uh, on Colorado, there's no question that they're poised for a great run here. With Nick Kiprios, who's one of the best insiders in the game, one of the top, one of the premier. You had a scoop even earlier today. Noah Hannafin's season is over with the Calgary Flames. Yeah, that one hurt. Uh, that one, hurt. one. One of the big scoops you had were two months shy of your PK Subban <laughs> trade to Nashville for Shea Weber. Uh, and I have a feeling I know where you got it, too, because I know who you're friends with. But anyway, it doesn't matter. We never divulge our sports, <laughs> all right? But everyone, that was one of those scoops where everyone just remembers where they were. Yeah. You most likely got a text message that day, right? And correct me if I'm wrong, whether it was a call or a text. It started with a call that worked into uh, okay. uh, 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 stamping it with a text, yes. So when you got that text that that deal was done. Yes. What was your initial reaction? Like, I know you you knew that something was going to happen, but when that was actually the deal, and it was Subban to Nashville for Weber, yeah. who was three years and nine months older, what did you think at the time, and what do you think almost five years later? Well, I said, football. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how clean you keep it on that show, uh, boys, but uh, – um, I had been on that case for about a a, a, a good couple of months, and I knew. And by the way, if I can, I, if I can, I, so yeah. was I. I saw that one coming from a mile away. Yeah. I actually went. I drove to the draft, which I usually don't go to the draft, but I drove to the draft in Buffalo, Nick. Uh, Buffalo, can, of course, because I thought it was going down there that weekend. And PK Subban was getting traded, so I wasn't surprised it was yeah. happening either. Good, I saw all the signs, but please continue. Well, and and it really, uh, it really started from what I was hearing about the frustration, the turnovers. Remember the uh, the game in Columbus where PK uh, coughed up the puck, and it, there was just a lot of noise coming out of Montreal that uh, PK just isn't the guy. If memory serves me well. If memory serves me well, I believe it was in Colorado. Oh, you're right. You're, you're, and they you're lost right. by a yes. score of three to two, and it was uh, midway through the third period or yes. something like that. And then, yeah, Michel Terrier was not happy. That, that, that to me, was the turning point yeah. on, on where this was going with P.K. Subban. So I had stayed on that. The, the consistent stories out of Montreal were that uh, they're not sure about the P.K. Uh, moving forward. There was the fact that uh, he was going to uh, start entering an age where a no, no move, no trade was kicking Correct. in. Correct. And if they were going to do this, they were going to do it now. Yeah. So that stayed relatively uh, consistent. And of course, the story started to really get going in Buffalo. And uh, I can't recall the general manager, but I want to say. Uh, and if I can, and if I can, Nick, if you recall. Uh, Max Pacioretty was named captain of the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, PK Subban, there was a quote or two that kind of irked Pacioretty. It didn't look like they were on the same page. There, no. there seemed to be a division in the room with some with Pacioretty, some with PK, or at least, you know, and, and th 
let's just say, Tony, they weren't fans of each other. They were not the president of each other's fan club. Correct. So all of that came into play. And there were some rumblings about uh, Mark Bergevin shopping PK at the draft. I think there was another general manager that commented that I'd like to get in on it. I, I, I want to say Jim Benning in Vancouver, if okay. I'm not mistaken. And I, I don't know if he got fined or not for, for being vocal on PK Subban. Yeah. But whatever, whatever the rumblings were, I just, I just seemed to be the only one that really believed that it was going to happen. Everybody else kind of shook it off. And, you know, you, you've lived Mark Bergevin now for the last little while, including yeah. going into this last trade deadline when he's, yeah. I, nothing's going to happen. And, yeah. you know, this is our team. And he did the same thing. He squashed the Mark Ber- uh, the, the the PK rumors, and I'm not shopping PK, and I just I didn't buy into it. So I just I just stuck with it, you know, right into right into the the Jul- July first free agency. And, and, and so did I. And I'm going to tell you, Nick. I, I'll tell yeah. you what was I thought besides all of those things, and it probably would have happened anyway. But one of the nails in the coffin were. Uh, about a week before the NHL had their award ceremony in Vegas and PK was there at the award ceremony. I think they were making him, you know, he was doing some emceeing of course, because he does such an awesome job with the microphone. And, you know, he was asked about their shortcomings that season. And he was asked if, um, you know, there was, he basically said, and at the end of the year, he said, he was asked about Michel Terrier and whether or not, you know, was, you know, they were cool and, if he was going to be back. And he said, I don't know if he's going to be back. And he didn't go out of his way to say they were cool. He was like, I don't know if he's going to be back and we'll see. And at the award ceremony, PK said, you know what? We failed from a, a player standpoint, from a management standpoint, from an ownership standpoint. Yeah. None of us did enough. And knowing Montreal, like you want to call out the players, it's one thing. But if you're calling out the owner and management, and I'll be it, Maybe some people will say he was right, but for me, that was the nail in the coffin. You know, once he said that, I'm like, yeah. and I heard the soundbite, I'm like, yeah, you'll be traded. And of course, you know, when you're talking about PK, there's a lot that comes with PK, and that's of course uh, that that outgoing personality, and there was always the the old school mentality that it's team first and and really no individual kind of at that level Mm -hmm. of what PK was doing off the ice. So that, that also came into play to make a long story short here, Tony, uh, that day we knew a lot happened, including the Taylor Hall trade from Edmonton, Stamkos resigning. And no, I was not surprised that PK, I, I got word that it was official or it was it was moving towards being official that he was being traded. But my my socks fell off when I first heard Shea Weber. I had to go back and say, are you sure this this might be a mistake? And they said, absolutely not. That was the first rumbling that, like Shea Weber's name never came up, never rumored. This guy was the rock of the Nashville Predators. That one blew me away mm-hmm. that it was Shea Weber for PK 
Subban. I, I push the send, send button, and I'm like, God, I hope I'm right on this. <laughs> Montrealers, are you tired of going to the gas station? Use Fuelit service, whether you're at homework or anywhere in between. Download the Fuelit Canada app today. Fuelit, bringing gas to the 21st century. Speaking of gas, five years later, Shea Weber is running out of gas. All right. He's on the decline. He's going to turn 36 in August. He's still valuable and he's still serviceable, but the law of physics are kicking in. Nick, I can't stress this enough, right? I think you're amazing as an insider. You are never wrong or hardly ever wrong. <laughs> but there was a scoop last year and I'm, you know, my take's probably going to surprise you. There was yeah. a scoop last year. And if I could just read the tweet, absolutely. February 12, 2020. Yeah. Sources say Shea Weber injured season over. Yes. And his future in question told injury is related to foot that was surgically repaired in 2018. Yes. While waiting for swelling to alleviate and further confirmation, surgery seemed unavoidable going into this week. Yes. That tweet caused a storm. Oh my Montreal, God. You have right? no idea, Tony. Like, you, you, have you no probably, idea. Yeah, yeah. I could, I, you're probably still getting texts about it from people saying, ah, you were wrong. Okay. But I want to get to that in just a second. Yes. Here. Now, uh, Shea Weber did not retire. Shea Weber yeah. is still playing hockey. Shea Weber came back. But I'm going to tell you something. And this is the information I was given was that. Shea Weber at one point is going to need a surgery here. And the surgeon has said that if he's going to have the surgery after the surgery, he won't be able to play hockey again. If this is accurate, the information that I was given on this, obviously he is gutting it out and he is playing through pain. Oh, I have to ask you, Nick, because Such you don't warrior. just put stuff out there for the sake of putting them out there. No. If you tweeted that. You got some big time information. Listen, were you I, told the same thing? I stand by that tweet at that particular time. Okay. That was the information. That's that was the worry of the Montreal Canadiens. You got to remember, okay, how this thing whole this whole thing played out at that particular time. And the word was out of Montreal, they were scared. They were scared to the point where they needed to go back to the original doctor and find out what the heck was going on. And when I released that, Bob McKenzie also said that his season was likely over. That was the information that Montreal was receiving at the time. And when he went down there, under the discretion of his doctor, they told him, listen, it's, it's not in great shape. It's not, but you can, you can, you can, you will recover from this enough to go back and play. So what was still perceived, I think after the, the, the initial um, analysis from the doctor, Montreal, I think put out an, an announcement that he was going to be out four weeks, I think. Yeah, I think so. Something like that. Four oh, no, no, no. He, yeah. They said it. Yeah. Yeah. Four okay, is, they said it. Yeah, Four yeah. weeks. Yeah. I think he was playing the next game. Yeah. So they also had no idea what yeah. was going on. Yeah. But I do know that there were issues with their doctors for a while. Uh, whether or not they were 
they were in a position to know exactly what was going on. Uh-huh. But at that time, Tony, I can assure you, the Montreal Canadiens were really worried yeah. about the health of Shea Weber and where he was long term. So I tip my hat to Shea Weber. I still watch him today. Yeah. I know he's barely on one leg. Yeah. Okay. And there are some nights it's tough for him yeah. to get up and down. He's all and, hurt. And, and, and move laterally. I watched yeah. him score uh, a, a power play goal, you know, uh, against Calgary tonight. And I could see the passion and emotion in his yeah. face as he went down the bench saying, you know, I'm, I'm still here. I can still shoot the puck. I can still get things done. Biggest game of the season for the Canadians going into the game with a four-point yeah. lead over the Calgary Flames yeah. for the fourth and final playoff spot in the North. And he scores the first goal yeah. of the hockey game. The Canadians win by a score of two to one. But he he is on 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 his last legs right now in terms yeah. of at the end of his career. Does that mean he can play another year if he wants? Can he play another two? At what? He the, the this is the decision he's gonna make. Does he want does he want to play at uh 80%, 70%, 60%. He's never going to be 100%. We know no. that now. And there's some tough nights to watch. And where does this leave the Montreal Canadiens next year? Where does it leave it with the cap? Those are questions that they're going to have to figure out. But if I, I, were I, I, I stand man, by my information, yeah. Tony. Yeah, and listen, at, at the end of the day, we could sit here and say – Today, this is what the information is. What tomorrow yeah. brings, we don't know. But I'm just telling you what I'm hearing. Yeah. And after 20 years of being in this business, I think I've done okay. Well, well, you've done great. You're one of the best. And Nick, I'm going to tell you something. I heard, you know, and I don't know if this is accurate, but I heard that, you know, um, he's going to have a surgery at the end of, you know, at one point, like he's going to have a surgery. And when he does, like he wouldn't be able to, put on the skates after that. And I, you know, listen, he could prove us. I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's obviously a gamer. He's a warrior, but if I were a betting man and there's five years left on his deal after this year, Nick Kiprios, I, I you know, I would bet that Shea Weber is not going to finish off his contract. And at one point, um, you know, he'll call it a day and I don't know if it's going to be an LTIR or whatever it's going to be, but I think it's just, but you know, for now, but like you said, tip your hat. He's obviously a gamer. He's obviously a warrior. You know, we're talking Canadians hockey now, and Carey Price is out with an injury. He suffered a concussion. His stats have not been great this year. You know, Jake Allen, who's the backup, has had better stats. He has about 30 goalies ahead of him who have a better goals against average. He has over 50 goalies who probably have a better safe um, percentage. Makes $10.5 million, Nick. I don't know if that contract's straight away. And he does have a no-movement clause, but... How do you see the situation between Carey Price and the Montreal Canadiens evolving? The Canadians are up against the cap. They have a window, which is now you would think Price has a no movement, which would lead you to believe that he'll finish off his contract in Montreal. But everyone's realizing that ten and a half million dollars on a goalie in today's National Hockey League is a lot of money. I'm sure the other teams realize that too. What does your gut tell you with Carey Price and the Canadians? Do you have a gut feel on that? The only gut I uh, gut feel I have is Carey Price isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Mm-hmm. That's my gut feel that they're okay. very much committed, and as long as Bergevin's there, he's he's got to make it a top priority to still find a way to make Carey Price work for the Montreal Canadiens. And 
The only focus they have is to try to get him better and get him in a position where he can recuperate and be the guy that they signed, that they think that they signed. Yeah. And it's it's almost a ship that Bergevin's going to have to go down with because Seattle's not interested in Carey Price unless Carey Price can show everybody that he is worthy of $10.5 million a year. So good on Jake Allen getting a win out of Calgary to mm-hmm. kind of solidify, I think, their playoff berth. But I'm not sure where this thing ends, um, whether or not it's Jake Allen's net or or Carey Price's, but it's in the best interest of Mark Bergevin to hope that Carey Price recovers in a short period of time, gets some games in, and is ready to carry the Montreal Canadiens. That's the only way this thing saves itself. And by chance, if it doesn't work that way, Carey Price will get an offseason to recover off of a concussion and try it again next season. Mm-hmm. Now, if it, gets it to, uh, if it gets off to an ugly start again, chances are... You know, now we're in a predicament on on truly what you do with Carey Price, but not not still this early uh, in his contract. I'd have to I'd have to see him struggle next season to think that there is no future for Carey Price, and and whether it is picking up five million dollars on a on a trade and fifty percent of the contract or not, or or buying him out. Uh, but yeah. It's next season for me. It's not. It's not any time this season or or in this off season. It's the sick podcast. I'm Marinero, and you can follow us on all social media platforms and watch us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Sick Podcast. He is Nick Kiprios. Two more quick ones on the Canadians, Nick. Very quickly, but Cole Caulfield made his NHL debut in Calgary. He logged just short of 16 minutes of play. He had four shots on goal. Uh, some of which were, you know, you, you saw his ability to shoot the puck. He looked comfortable out there. Cole Caulfield, your thoughts? Well, first of all, give the kid full credit here. You're not coming in on a regular season, even in November, December. We're talking some, some high intensity out of Calgary and Montreal to save their season. So it's, it's not... It's not a perfect scenario for someone to come in and play their first National Hockey League game, let alone put in 15 and a half, 16 minutes and lead the game in shots on goal. I think four, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Now, granted, all of them are were low percentages shots at, at, a, at a pretty tough angle. Yeah. But you saw the the the, the wheelhouse, the mindset of, yeah. of Cole Caulfield being a pure shooter. Correct. And he's already got an NHL shot. And I, I do believe that every game that we're we're going to see out of Cole Coffee for the Montreal Canadiens, we will see glimpses of what that shot will turn into one day for the Montreal Canadiens. I have I have no doubt in my mind this guy's going to put the puck in the net at a pretty good level. How great he ends up being uh, is is up to him. But I, I saw enough to say that there's there's a great future there. The only thing now is that you're you're playing amongst pros. This isn't college. You can't just shoot the puck at every angle. 
there's going to be times when, you know, a, a Philip Deneau or someone's going to calm him down a little bit and say, hey, you f- find that 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 area where you got a split second to to move the puck, right? Yeah. So he's going to he's going to have to pick that up. You know, he doesn't have to pick it up tomorrow, but those are the some of the things that I'm sure the Canadians, the coaching staff and the players will start working with with Cole on is take a deep breath, get yeah. your head up. Sometimes a a bad angle shot is a bad play. And 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 we need to kind of give and go and 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 make make calmer plays out there. But I think he's going to be a real, real good player. Nick Caprios, I'd love to get you back on the sick podcast when the playoffs come around, but I know how popular you are. I'm not the only <laughs> one who wants you on my show, especially if the Canadians would play the Leafs. So I'll ask you now. It's coming. I think it's case, coming. Just in case you're going to be too busy, I'll ask you now. This Canadians team that won versus Calgary but has lost eight of their last 12 is the complete opposite of the team that started this season that was red hot and hardly lost the game. In your opinion, the Canadians make the playoffs. Can they be the team that they were in the first month of the season? Yes or no? I don't know if they can hit that level, but I think I think it's a, a, a nice blueprint for them to close out the Calgary Flames in Calgary with a win, with the type of hockey that they're going to have to play to be successful. And if they go back and look at the the video of the way the Columbus Blue Jackets shut down Matthews and Marner in in the in the qualifying round, they can have success against the Toronto Maple Leafs. But they're going to have to find ways to beat them two one. Matthews and Marner are right up there with Drysital and McDavid, Rantanen and McKinnon. Those are the three of the best duels on the planet, and they're gonna they're gonna have to shut the door big time. I like the chances a lot better with Carey Price than I do Jake Allen. I think all the Canadian fans do, but he's gonna have to get healthy and he's gonna have to get really good really fast for that to happen. If Montreal plays Toronto in the playoffs, if the Leafs win, I send you Montreal smoked meat and bagels. If the Leafs win. Uh, you send me little Buddha. Oh, I love it. Pineapple. I love it. Absolutely. Pineapple and rosemary. Uh, pineapple or rosemary. That's, you know what? I'll hey, get you. I'll let get me you know your... when you're going to He's in Quebec. He's the director of hockey operations of line movement. He is real Kipper at noon, and you can follow him on his YouTube channel. Nick Kiprios, I, I hope you had as much fun doing this tonight it's as great. I had. I love it. I, I really enjoyed it. Thanks, I'm glad, man. Tony, and, and thank you for the kind words. And yeah. we will speak again, and I will always make time for you. You're excellent at what you do, man. I, I really enjoyed having you on. Thanks so much. We'll do it again sometime. All right. Enjoy the rest of the season. Thank you, you too. He is Nick Kiprios. I'm Marinero. It's the Sick Podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Sick Podcast. Thanks, Kipper. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow The Sick Podcast on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by MyBookie. Use code SICKPIX for a 50% deposit bonus. Bet, win, get paid.